Everybody's giving up gluten. There's gluten-free this and gluten-free that. Gluten has become a dietary villain like cholesterol, salt, saturated fat. But bread and other baked products are some of our favourite foods. Sure, it's vital not to eat gluten. You've got celiac disease, but for the rest of the world, should gluten really be on the shopping list? Episode 3. Gluten. Wheat and other wheat products are staples in most households. Two-thirds of us regularly consume some bread every day. And then when we add the breakfast cereal, the pasta, the snacks and the other wheat foods, there's nothing we eat more of or more often than wheat. Bread contains all sorts of goodies as well as baddies. The dominant component of bread is starch. Starches make up about 40% of its weight. Starch is made up of hundreds of thousands of tiny sugar molecules. These sugar molecules don't taste very sweet because they're not free to tickle our taste buds. Most sugars and starch are in fact tied up in complex structures, all bonded together and coiled up tight like in a slinky spring. This slinky linking allows the chain of sugars and starch to be packed really tightly into granules. And this is what starch is, granules of starch. Starch is how most green plants store their energy they get from sunlight during the day, so they'll have the fuel to help them spring through the night. But this also means that most plants and most plant-based foods are also rich in starch. This includes many of our favourite staples like bread, of course, cereal, corn, potatoes, legumes, pasta, rice, and beer, of course. When we eat starch and digest it, these sugars are released and enter our blood, just like table sugar does. For most people, the starchy foods that they eat are the major source of sugar, and therefore their major single source of calories. For this reason, and many others, carbs are widely vilified, and when most people think of their health kick, getting rid of the starchy foods is usually high on the checklist but more on starch in another episode. Bread is also a major source of fibre and resistant starch. Fibre is made of sugar just like starch, but instead of being coiled up and slinky like starch, some sugars are instead linked solidly together in long straight rods, like the firm cables that bring the phone or the internet to many houses, and these are both called fibre as a result. Unlike slinky starch, which can spring out when we cook it, the long cables of sugar and fibre are tough and can't easily uncoil. This means that fibre generally can't be digested even if we would cook it or or boil it. So fibre doesn't add much to our calorie intake or our waistline. But this doesn't mean that fibre is wasted on our health. Fibre acts to bolster our bowel health. The makeup of our bacteria that line our intestines is significantly modified by what we eat, particularly what we don't digest and leave for our bacteria to chew on. And our bacteria love fibre, resistant starch and other indigestible sugars. These sugars are collectively known as FODMAPs, 
which is a funny term, but essentially FODMAP stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. In other words, sugars that we can't digest very well. And because we don't digest and absorb them ourselves, the FODMAPs that we eat are the major nutrients that reach down into our colon to feed our resident bacterial hordes. But by eating food rich in FODMAPs, we're able to support or, or even enhance our gut bacteria. This is why adding fibre or vegetables, unprocessed starch and the like is sometimes called a prebiotic strategy, as opposed to antibiotic strategies which kill bacteria, you know, antibiotics. The downside is that FODMAPs that feed our bacteria in the large intestine also result in the release of gases as they are fermented. Some people are really troubled by this gas, and the stretching and distension of their intestines can create an uncomfortable sense of fullness, bloating, cramps, burping, gas, and sometimes diarrhea. In fact, the most common reason that most people, and particularly women, prefer to avoid starchy foods is to avoid that heavy sensation that often follows eating them. In severe cases, it is sometimes called irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, which is usually caused by too much gas or increased sensitivity to it. Bread also contains a number of other important nutrients, including iron, zinc, vitamins like folate and vitamin B. It is also our single leading source of salt in our diet. Finally, bread and other wheat products also contain many different proteins, the most abundant of which is something called gluten. As the name suggests, gluten is a sticky, glue-like substance. Gluten is quite useful for holding a loaf together, for example, as the bread dough rises in an oven. Without gluten, bread is either flat or dense or unpleasantly crumbly. Gluten is only found in the grains of wheat and related species like rye and barley. This means that any product containing these grains also contains some gluten. There are many obvious products that therefore also contain gluten, like bread, cakes, biscuits, pastries, cereal, pasta and the like. But then there are also many not-so-obvious sources of gluten, like sausages, beer, ice cream, sauces, stocks, and even mayonnaise. A small number of people, 1-2% to of the population, are allergic to the wheat proteins or react to gluten specifically. The latter is known as celiac disease. Celiac disease is caused by the immune system essentially attacking itself and damaging the intestines whenever any gluten is eaten. To stay healthy, it's essential for those people with celiac disease to avoid all gluten, and that means all gluten, absolutely everything. Anything that has a wheat in it, a rye, barley, or any products that contain any of those in their diet, they have to avoid them for the rest of their life. Even tiny amounts of gluten are enough to set off for a reaction. There is no other cure, and it can only be treated in this way. Oats don't contain gluten exactly, and in some countries, oat products can be labelled as gluten-free. But oats contain something similar, so can cause the same reaction as wheat in some people with celiac disease. Oats are often also contaminated with small amounts of wheat, which is also unsafe for some people with celiac disease. Although the symptoms of celiac disease vary from person to person, 
If someone with celiac disease should eat food accidentally containing any gluten, it would cause intestinal problems like diarrhea, distension, bloating, abdominal pain and gas. Consequently, many people with celiac disease actually don't realise they have it, thinking that it's generally their grumbly tummy or their irritable bowels that's causing it. However, once diagnosed and treated by avoiding gluten, the cause of their symptoms is usually obvious. Outside of providing special gluten-free products for people with celiac disease, gluten-free is mostly a marketing ploy. For the 99% of the population that doesn't have celiac disease, there's actually no evidence that gluten itself is in any way harmful or causes any intestinal problems. Nonetheless, the fact that glowing gluten-free is the only treatment for celiac disease is enough to misinterpret the value of going grain-free, even in those that don't have celiac disease, to misinterpret that the gluten-free option is the obvious, intrinsic, healthy one. But just because some people need some treatment for their disease does not mean that everybody else should also take the treatment themselves. There are, however, some positives from going gluten-free if you don't have celiac disease, but these have nothing to do with the gluten. Obviously, starch is a major source of carbs and calories in our diet, and going low-carb can help us lose excess weight. But this is mostly by eating less and limiting our choices when eating. And if there's less to eat, then we eat less. Go figure. There's also another positive too. The resistant starches and fibre which are present in wheat products can also generate gases and obviously then upset the bowels of some people. They complain. Bread, eating white bread, so uncomfortable. Eating pasta, so uncomfortable. So when they go gluten-free, they feel less bloated, less uncomfortable. But this is actually due to avoiding the FODMAPs, the sugars, the resistant starches, and not by avoiding the gluten, unlike the celiac disease. The most commonly eaten foods that contain FODMAPs are also those that have got lots of starch, such as breads and cereals and pasta and the like. But wheat is not the only source of FODMAPs in our diet. Many vegetables contain FODMAP sugars that we can't digest, but our bacteria love and make gas from. And these include obviously beans, that's had a can of beans and knows what that does. Mushrooms, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, other members of the cabbage family, as well as onion, garlic, and equally some fruit. Apples, pears, avocados, plums, prunes, watermelon, and even stone fruit can give some people wind. For a significant number of people, cutting down on the foods that are naturally high on gut fermentable FODMAPs can significantly improve how their tummy feels after a meal. And this can be achieved in a number of different ways, depending on where the FODMAPs in your diet are coming from to begin with. For many people, the major source of their FODMAPs is cereal grain in bread and baking and breakfast cereal and a host of other food. So getting rid of the grains when they go gluten-free means that they have less FODMAPs. Simple, and immediately they feel better. But it's not by avoiding the gluten. It's by avoiding the wheat and the FODMAPs. But while this might sound to be a really good idea for going gluten-free, there are downsides for gluten-free products as well. Special gluten-free processing and substitution of other grains that are fully gluten-free, like chia, quinoa, rice, and even potato, 
adds to the cost of gluten-free products compared to the mass-produced and therefore cheaper wheat-based products. But by far and away the most common substitute to use in a gluten-free product is oats. And of course, while oats are free of gluten, they have lots of FODMAPs. Just think, taking that oaty breakfast, that muesli, that porridge, and how you feel afterwards. It can make many people feel bloated and uncomfortable, just like wheat can, because it's not the gluten, it's the FODMAPs. Getting rid of all the wheat also means getting rid of a major dietary source of fibre, minerals and vitamins like folate. You know folate? Folate is essential for the health of developing babies while they're in their mother's womb. If a woman is not taking folate supplements while planning for a pregnancy or are not eating those leafy green vegetables, hence the term folate, then folate fortified bread turns out to be their major source of folate. So it makes little sense to give it up. And when we are replacing all of the wheat, what are we replacing it with? Often a gluten-free product contains more fat and sometimes more sugar just to make it as palatable as the regular dough. Seriously, bitter pills only seem reasonable to swallow if they are worth the price of health. The bottom line is that if you don't have celiac disease, gluten does not need to be on the chopping list. In fact, going gluten-free limits our choices and exposes most of us to unnecessary hazards. On the other hand, limiting our intake of highly processed starches and replacing them with whole grain alternatives makes real sense. But if it's gas that's the problem, then a low FODMAP diet is much more varied and a much more practical solution than just going gluten-free. So make friends with gluten again. Remember that smell of fresh baking, the complex flavours of whole grain bread. Yum! Don't chop them out. Slice them up. Share them round. For more information on gluten and other things that you can do for longevity, please read The Longevity List by Merlin Thomas, published by Exile Press, available from all good bookstores and from online exilepublishing.com. Thank you for listening.